Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Live Well Bipolar. I am very excited for this conversation because I have an amazing guest with me today, and she is actually someone who had me on her podcast. So we're going to get into that as well as some powerful moments that she's going to speak to in her story around how this ties in with the message that we have on Live Well Bipolar, what it means to live with bipolar disorder, and tie in a couple pieces here related to her story. So we have a region. Cal's with us today, you guys. She is a content creator, public speaker, and host of her very own podcast, The Areja Cal Show, which she just had me on there as well. And she interviews emerging creatives and entrepreneurs. She is also an advocate for having and nurturing positive mindsets to help overcome mental health challenges. So Areja, thank you so much for being here today and joining me all the way from London. Is that correct? London in the United Kingdom. Yes, you guys. So she's in London. I'm out here in Arizona. We're talking right now, making this conversation happen, but I'm so excited that we're able to do it because I know I had such a great time talking with you and I know you made me feel so able to open up and comfortable getting into those details. So I'm super excited to just start from your story. Walk me through that initial reaction of when you received your diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Yeah. So, um, I remember I was at the doctor's office and um, that's when I was told that I had bipolar disorder. Um, I feel like then, because I was already manic when I got the news while I was sitting there, it didn't dawn on me. I didn't really resonate. I didn't even know what it was. It was like one of the first times I actually really heard of that illness. I didn't even know if it, if it was an illness or not. And my mum was sitting beside me and I feel like for her, it dawned on her. And she knew that there's obviously something wrong now with my daughter. And I think that was a hard pill to swallow. But um, uh, yeah, so I, after hearing that news, um, I remember, well, I think I have to bring it back a little bit because there was something that happened prior to that. Um, I remember when uh, I left university, uh, as in I graduated, and uh, I thought that the world was my oyster. Like I would accomplish everything and anything but I fell deep into a rabbit hole of just being in a slump because all the jobs that I was applying to, I couldn't get. Um, And then what happened was that I I met this guy, I started hanging around with the wrong crowd, you know, taking recreational drugs and things of that nature. And I remember one time I was very paranoid. Um, I was paranoid um, while I was with him. And I started talking a lot and just fidgeting and just being, you could say annoying, I guess. (laughs) But I remember he turned around to me and said, I don't care if you go missing or on the news or if you die. And it's so strange, Paris, because the next day, that's when I was at the doctor's office and I got that diagnosis. And I think it was triggered by the recreational drugs. Mm -hmm. And when I got that diagnosis on the same day, I left my home telling my mom that I was going to the the shops um, just to buy something. But in in reality, I was very manic. And then um, I remember trailing off up the street to like a park. And um, there was a man there that sort of gestured me to come along with him. And I'm sure he knew that there was something up with this girl. Like she's obviously not completely in the right state of mind, but um, just cut a long story short, it was um, an assault of some sort that it's hard for me to say, but it was an assault. Um, And then I remember going to the other side of the park. It's weird because 
I was in and out of consciousness. I didn't really understand what was happening to me when it was happening. Um, and it only took me till a few, a month ago actually, to even be openly able to say this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then, yeah, the, I, I remember they took me from the park, the, the, the police officers that is, they took me from the park to a mental health hospital because obviously people in the park reported that this girl was doing all kinds of stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> And then when I went to the hospital, there was no communication with the doctors and my family because my family didn't know my whereabouts. Mm-hmm. And then they classified me as a missing person. So it was all over the local newspapers, all over the Twitter, with some celebrities retweeting. It was just a whole malarkey until I got my phone back. And that's when, of course, I contacted my family and then they came to the hospital. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being willing to speak about this. And I know how challenging that can be when you say just a month ago, finally being able to speak about this and share this and having certain moments that you don't remember and don't have memory of, but having an overall view of, I wasn't in the right mindset. And I remember that constantly sticks out to me when you were saying, I know I was manic and I know this was triggered by a lot of the the drug use and coming out of college and thinking this is my opportunity to go after my dreams and make this happen. And then, you know, getting those, those rejections and feeling that way of, I'm not able to get these jobs or these opportunities and feeling hopeless and going through all of that at such a young age, I can really relate to. And especially when you're saying your family, not knowing where you are and being in the hospital at that time. So what was that like when your mom or your family members actually, you made contact and they found out where you were and what happened from that moment? Yeah. So what was it like? Um, for me, because it was, it's still a blur to me because obviously I was not mentally sane you could say but for them of course they were absolutely I remember um what my one of my siblings saying you know I thought something happened to you I thought you were in a forest somewhere I thought basically we'll find you dead somewhere Mm -hmm. you know they were so panicky they didn't know what to expect so they were just you know adrenaline rush like wow like she's back she's here with us but I remember them looking at me and thinking she needs more time in the hospital because I was talking to myself. I was not, I was not consciously there. <laughs> Sorry, pardon me. Um, so they, they said, yes, yeah, she, she needs more time in the hospital. So, you know, they said, you know, she has to stay here. So, um, but yeah, it, it was obviously a relief, but it was also devastating that they saw me in that state um, because you could even say I was classified as like the crazy and I've put on quotation marks on purpose, you know, the crazy woman in hospital, you know, because I was literally Paris, I was out of my mind. I was not the same woman that is sitting here talking to you. Mm-hmm. So, um, but obviously I didn't see it. I saw it as I was having the time of my life. You know, I was in a bliss, but they obviously saw the 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 result and how it looked from the outside. So yeah, it was a mixture of emotions. Yeah, and seeing that, you know, they're able to see that difference in you, but you you're not. And I think a a lot of that too, is how old were you when this happened? So the hospitalization, I was 23 years old. Mm -hmm. I was pretty young. Uh, It happened seven years ago. So yes, Mm -hmm. I was 23. Oh, wow. And I think the other thing that sticks out too, is the way you talk about it now, I think it's just having the insight into that, because I feel like I felt the same way for me during my hospitalization. Like when you said, 
the not the same person at all that you're talking to right now, just completely different and obviously needing more time in there. And your family was seeing that because I know for me, when my experience, I did not have a good experience with my hospitalization. Do you feel the same way? Or do you feel like you were able to learn some tools or get some resources that were helpful for you when you were in there? I mean, they tried a lot to incorporate workshops, uh, things of like psychological workshops that will help our minds and little things like, okay, this is the date, this is the time. Because a lot of, I, I definitely thought I was living in the future in my head. But when they said, this is the date, it, it really helped me to solidify the fact that, wait, hold on. There's a difference between reality and what I'm thinking. So little workshops like that, and even like painting workshops and stuff, it really did help me and stuff. So it wasn't all bad, but overall, my personal experience, because I was all in my head, it was crazy. It was just I don't like to use that word, but it was very much out of the ordinary. It was um, hallucinations, uh, hearing things that weren't there seeing things that weren't there, feeling things that weren't there. It was such an uncomfortable experience for myself. And then I would automatically judge others and be like, okay, they're out to get me or they're doing something or they're this type of person when they're not really, you know, and I'll look at them in a weird way. Like it was all so messed up in my head. Um, so for me in my head, it obviously wasn't a good experience because of my perspective on things, but the hospital did really help to, and try to implement certain things that can help us to gain consciousness again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you mentioned this, the timeline of being 23, did you have any other symptoms or notice anything else in yourself before 23 years old when this all started, or was it really at 23 when you started to notice all, a lot of the things going on? This is a really good question, Paris, because I haven't really spoken about this, but I will do now because way before that, when I was 17, I, not not to go on a tangent, but I, I studied drama. So I got into, I got so immersed into my character, sort of like method acting, that it played, it played something with my mental. I got so engrossed in the character that I literally couldn't de detach myself from the character. And so I lost a lot of friends. I was regarded as the, I don't know, the, the weirdo or whatever. Um, but I was definitely in my head and I could see there was a shift going on. Um, but it wasn't so much like the experiences of bipolar, but it was its own mental challenge. So I did experience a mental challenge prior, which was slightly different, but yes. So yeah, that's mm -hmm. the answer. Yeah. So even just noticing that too, like going through a lot of the losses with friendships and you talk about method acting and I've actually heard that about other actors who play certain characters of being so deeply ingrained in the character and the role that it's hard to separate from yourself and you start to notice and take on those traits. And I, I'd love to see it for you after you came out of the hospital. So I know it was really good for you to acknowledge Yes, like these were the parts that were helpful about the hospital with some of the workshops and painting and helping me come back more a little bit to the present moment, but still I wasn't able to really tap into that, which is going through a lot of the hallucinations, a lot of the paranoia. And when you mentioned that it really resonates with me because that's exactly my experience in the hospital. I went through a lot of that with, you know, seeing things that weren't there, hearing things that weren't there, different things that were coming up to in my mind that it made it very difficult to even try to take action on any of the tools that were available. So what was that like for you to leave the hospital and come home back to your life? 
Well, there was a few stages where I left the hospital. So I was in and out for three and a half years, discharged, recharged, in and out. So sometimes I felt suicidal and I had to go back. Sometimes I went back to the same men, drugs, I had to go back. Sometimes I just didn't listen to doctor's orders and, and mixed the alcohol with the medication. So I had to go back. Um, but essentially when it was time when it was my time to actually say okay look Arija you need to do something about this and I actually once and for all came out which was three and a half years later it was it it was refreshing in a sense because it was like a decision I made for myself within myself you know and I I, I sort of picked up self-development you know books on like the secret you know I went into employment so it was like I shaved my hair, you know, it was like a brand new start and a brand new me. So I kind of felt refreshed. I was still hesitant and a bit scared of relapsing. And I'm not going to lie, even sometimes now, I still think, oh crap, what if I do relapse, you know? But um, back then it was a bit, bit more predominant, but at the same time it was refreshing because I knew I was taking a new a new leap into a new life and I was acting on that too. Mm, yeah, I, I really think that that's helpful too, to hear what did make a difference for you? Because when you say that book, The Secret, and for you guys who don't know what that is, something that stuck out to me is just when you talk about the law of attraction and working on yourself, self-development, what things that you can actually control and change rather than the factors that you can't. Because I like how you say, I can't control if I relapse or not. I have no power. I can continue to put the work in and do what I can on my end. But there are always going to be moments where we have those triggers resurface and you have those memories of, remembering yourself being younger and having those moments of, you know, I went to the hospital for this, these three and a half years and I would go back and I would come back out and I struggled with the suicidal thinkings and then going through the things with men and mixing the alcohol and drugs and all these things that you talk about is I would love to hear from you now today in doing the work that you've done through discovering more of the self-development. If you can give me the top thing that you've learned that has been helpful for you in navigating and managing when these triggers come back up for you definitely I think the main thing and this it might be controversial but it's what it's my personal you know experience and opinion and what I've learned is that I hold and not just me everyone including yourself Paris including everyone listening to this we all hold the pen to our own story and for a long time living with bipolar I thought I'm a victim and that God is against me or a higher force is against me or, you know, it's 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 happening to me, you know. But the more I got into self-development, the more I realized that, no, you can literally and figuratively write your own story. You can write a whole new script and you can go with that and you can also manifest that as well, you know. And, and I'm not just saying that to be airy-fairy or woo. I'm saying that because I've actually done that. The successes I've had in my life this past year has been profound you know you would never think like I'm sure some people are listening to this thinking how can she or even Paris have been in that state because we it doesn't seem like that but mm -hmm. my point is you know just the fact that we are not victims we are victors and it starts with a decision you know wow. to decide who you are and I'm I'm gonna stick with that even though it's a bit controversial but I, I truly believe that yeah. And I think that that's something that sticks out for me too, is I love that you say you can write a whole new script because 
I know for me, I relate a lot to how I used to think of the victim and all these things that happen that I can't control and I can't find a way out of. And a lot of it for me had to have had to do with my environment, the things that I had around me, what I was doing with my time. I completely changed my life to come out of that slowly over the years. But I love that mindset of being able to look at the things that you can do and that you can change. So I'd love to ask, how does your story look today? What did you have to change or take out of your life that you didn't think you had to? Definitely for me, the drugs, like, yes, it made me feel high and satisfied in the moment, but it was, it, it had, reper- sorry, it had repercussions, you know, um, and definitely the people the company I kept like honestly if I kept on staying with that guy and doing the things that we were doing I would have literally I could be dead you know but I'm still here and the people that I have around me now are so encouraging motivated focused and it's like I know it sounds cliche but who you genuinely hang around makes you who you are you know you are the five the average of the five people you hang around we hear that so many times but it's so so true um so yes definitely that a new company um and also my mindset my perspective once again not seeing myself as a victim but seeing myself as someone who holds the power because not not to be religious and I don't I don't ever push religion on anyone but I truly believe that instead of God being someone up in the the sky who's like pinpointing my downfalls he's within me and so that gives me just as much power you know so just that notion of you know I am powerful and that shift of perspective um that as well and I'm just trying to think of something else um and also I think if this one was a really hard one and it's something that I'm still working on and I don't even know if it's right or wrong but accepting it you know just accepting that okay I have or I've had bipolar it's even hard for me to accept it now you know but I think just accepting it so that it doesn't hold much power over me you know just diminishing it and making it as small as I can so that I can overcome it you know and just accepting that it it was part of my journey and now if it wasn't for that Paris I wouldn't have such an amazing story to tell Mm -hmm. you know so it's that as well. And I love that you acknowledge that and just your honesty with that, with saying, I'm not going to come on here and lie and say, I have fully hundred percent accepted bipolar. It's still difficult. So I love that you say that because there's always going to be moments where we sit there and we question, is this real for me? Or what were the full factors at play here? But what can I do with this information to change? And I love that you were able to talk about those shifts and your thinking, your mindset, the company that you're keeping, the people you have around you and what you're doing with your time. So using your time, like you're saying to invest in reading those books and listening to that material that's going to help you get on track with that and of course we're always going to have moments where those past things come up and they're going to be in the background and it's never 100% going to go away but it's really just continuing to do that work and I think it takes a lot of bravery to say I still have struggles where I don't fully acknowledge yes, I live with bipolar disorder. I I have this diagnosis, but I'm going to acknowledge what I can do with that information and what can I do to control it and those outcomes. So I'd love to hear if you have a routine in place, whether it's a morning routine or whatever that looks like that you have, that's helpful for you. Maybe that you didn't used to have. Definitely. I definitely have a routine and I'm such an advocate for it. It's definitely visualization. That is key for me because I believe that whatever you visualize and the pictures that you depict in your mind 
definitely come in reality one one way or another right so it's visualizing for a minimum of five minutes in the morning or the night time before going to bed or waking up in the morning because obviously that's when your brain is in theta in the theta mood state when where it's more susceptible to, for change um so yes visualization i definitely go out on walks now i remember my um caseworker when i was uh in and out of hospital she said oh exercise endorphins and all that jazz dopamine but I was just like oh whatever but now that I do it <laughs> now that I do it I, I just go out for walks I literally go out for walks for 30 minutes and I have fallen in love with walking and it really does whether I, I realize it or not it really does affect my mental health in a positive way even just that fresh air on my face and um, so visualization walking exercise um, and oh, I, I listened to so much material on mindset and psychology and mind science. It saved me really. It really has because it's a constant reminder that once again, I'm the hero of my own story and that I've got this, you know, oh. um, what else do I do? Uh, and I just, yeah, I just try and just surround myself with encouraging people, whether they're encouraged within their career path or money mindset or um just being positive really but I definitely incorporate those three slash four things yeah wow and just hearing you list all of those out they all relate to me and I even when you said the walks I I felt the same way in the past and be like how is this gonna help like exercise like all these things you hear but really it does and just hearing the difference that it's made for you and just being able to incorporate that into your routine all those points that you brought up I know all of those are actually part of my routine as well and something else I want to ask you is talk to me about the creation of the Aregia Call show how did that come about when did you start it I'd love to hear the history on that yeah, sure. So I started it 13 months ago. So last year, October. So it's been 13 months. But um, so I started off just thinking, I remember I was in a WhatsApp group chat with my cousin uh, who created this WhatsApp group chat for women that just want to elevate in their lives. And I remember her mentioning that this person does YouTube. So does this person. And oh, so does Arija. And when she said that Paris, something just lit up inside of me. And I I was like, yes, I do. I do do YouTube, don't I? Because I left it dormant for a while. I, I never picked up the camera for a long time. And I realized this is what I truly love. I remember being at work and I will film a YouTube video. Like I just, I in my lunch break, I just love that. So um, I, I did that for a bit. I, I got my sister involved. And then I realized, what do I really want to do? And I realized I, I interviewed Stormzy, who's a major uh, you could call him a rap artist, I guess, um, in the UK and internationally now. And I thought, I love to interview people. So I thought, you know what? I asked my brother, you know what? Come on, come down with me to a cheap studio that I'm renting out in London and let's get this recording. Let's use my cheap camera and just start recording, you know? Um, and ever since then, it's like people have been reaching out to me. Oh, we would love to be on the show. Um, I've been reaching out to other people. We've been collaborating in, in with events. Now I'm here, you know, speaking to you. Just so many good things have come out of it. I've even been interviewed by the BBC, which is a major broadcast uh, corporation in the UK. Sort of like ABC News, but BBC News. I've been interviewed by them by um, about my podcast three times. Um, there's been so much. I've interviewed celebrities and well-known names and I've just always been consistent with my content and 
I've been sponsored. Um, yeah, just good, good things. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love the history of that and how you talk about the evolution of being in that chat and finding that spark that you enjoyed and remembering and saying, I actually really enjoyed this, but I haven't done it in a while. So really sitting there and saying, but what do I want to create with the videos and what do I like? And you talk about the interviews and, and being able to feature these stories and put this out there and really make this something that can help people. And I, I love it because that's really what stuck out to me when I first met you. I remember we were talking and just your personality and your presence and the way that you make someone feel. Like I remember when you had me on the show, it just really was a moment that I haven't really gotten into certain parts of my story in a while. So I felt like I could talk about that and I felt like I could share it and I felt very heard and seen. And I feel like that's a really strong gift that you have. And it's so cool to see just this process of what you've been able to put together despite having all the struggles that you shared about. And that's a beautiful thing too, to be able to come on here and say, this is what I lived through. I was missing and, and going through this with your family, not being able to know where you are going into the hospitalization, talking about what you faced when you were in that park, getting around the wrong people, the wrong crowds, drugs, going through all of the things that many of us probably listening can relate to coming out of school or college, being pretty hopeful of, Hey, I'm going to do this career or job, or this is the path I want. And it's not working out. And then just really struggling to find what do I like? What lights me up? And also on top of that, a mental health struggle and a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And what do I need to do? And I think that's the most important thing, because I know when we live with bipolar, we definitely have to make changes to our life. It's not a choice. We can't just sit here and continue doing the past things that we used to, because like you said yourself, I probably would have ended up dead. If I kept going back to these men, these things that I was doing and, and being able to acknowledge these are things that happened to me. I went through these assaults. I went through these struggles with the substances, all of this, but what can I do now? Right. What can I try to change? Get around these people who encourage me, get around these people who motivate me and uplift me and see that vision in you that I see in you and that other people are able to see that. So I really, really love it. So I'd love to ask you, what is something on your mind that you're just hopeful for, for 2024, when it comes down to what it means for you? to live well bipolar? I think it's just showing bipolar that it's not the boss of me. You know, I am the boss, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and in that, in that aspect, what I mean is just continuing to shine my light, continuing to tell my story, continuing to influence and impact people with bipolar, with mental health, to show them that there is light at the end of the tunnel. Like you don't have to, I feel like the media and what we see always depicts and glamorizes this notion that mental health is just, I don't know, someone in a dark room that can't get out, but it's not true. There is a way out, you know, and it starts with that tiny feeling of hope. If, if not faith, just have hope and that will grow and grow the more you nurture it. And that's what I want to show people that you can come out at the other end and be successful. There's countless of celebrities that are living with bipolar that yes, they do have their episodes here and there, but you know, they're still successful, maybe hopefully also in themselves as well. But my, my, my mission is just to share my story, impact a generation, continue on because now I'm doing public speaking. So continue my podcast, my content, and just putting a smile on people's faces and um, yeah, doing more collaborations like this as well. I think that that's what really sticks out to me is when you said bipolar isn't the boss of me and realizing that it isn't 
something overarching and having that control over me. And I can still be able to acknowledge it and say, this is something that is a part of my story. And this something that I still have to live a different kind of life to take care of myself, but you're still able to do that and you're making it possible and you're continuing to do what is important to you. And I think that that's the most important thing is to show people that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and having hope. And the more that you continue to nurture that in yourself and build that up and get around those support systems, it really does continue to grow and just starting somewhere because we all start somewhere and we're all going to continue to have to do the work, you know, at different phases. But I'd also love for you to tell everyone before we end too, where can they go to connect with you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love this part. So you can connect with me on Instagram uh, at Simply Arija. So Arija is spelled A-R-I-B for Delta, J-A. So Simply Arija. And uh, I believe on TikTok, I'm going to change my name to that. So by the time you're listening to this, it will be Simply Arija. Um, uh, the Arija Cow Show on YouTube and Spotify Arija Cal, so Cal spelled K-A-L-S. Um, where else? Uh, yeah, that's about it, really. That's where I hang around the most. So, yeah. Yay. And I'll have all that linked in the show notes as well for you guys to connect with her on those platforms. But I want to thank you guys for being here, making the time to tune in, listen to Arija's story. And really, I hope that you've been able to pull as many insights as I have from just being part of this conversation and putting it together for you. Cause I always love doing this and being able to feature these conversations. And then Arija also, thank you so much for coming on and speaking about these topics. I know there's certain parts of your stories that you haven't shared about and you haven't spoken too much about. So I just want to thank you for being here and just doing everything that you're doing. Cause it's really making a difference. Thank you, Paris. Honestly, this means a lot. And I love the fact that you said that you know, I make people feel seen and heard. That's all I ask for. So I, I'm grateful. Thank you. Of course. And again, guys, thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a good rest of the day or nighttime. And on that note, I'm going to end it and say bye to you guys and bye to Arija. So bye guys. Bye, Arija. Bye. 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 <laughs>